informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us, for letting us be part of your day. Here's what we're going to be talking about today. Latest on the markets with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Rabo. We're going to talk about the uh, recent election results and the impact on agriculture with uh, Mary Kay Thatcher, long time with the American Farm Bureau Federation, now uh, with Syngenta. She'll join us for her thoughts and observations. And we're going to talk about the latest ag equipment numbers with Kurt Blades from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That'll be coming up a little bit later on in the program. But right now, with the lame duck session, a lot of focus on can they get the farm bill done this year. Here to talk about that with us is Catherine Boudreau with Politico. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Um, I know some talks going on between House Ag Committee Chair Mike Conaway and Ranking Member Peterson, and those roles will be switching here uh, uh, next year. But for right now, what are we hearing? It sounds like they still have some big differences to work out, and it I don't know, from what I'm picking up, it doesn't sound like they're really close to getting it done. Well, they met yesterday, House Agriculture Chairman Mike Conaway and Ranking Member Colin Peterson, for less than 30 minutes. Uh, we were all a little surprised. A couple of us reporters were staking out the meeting outside the hallway. Uh, in the Capitol, so uh, we were surprised when it was so short, and it appeared a little bit tense when they left, Um, but over the recess, their staff worked uh, a a lot on the commodity title, conservation title, I think many of the titles in the Farm Bill, and I think they they did make some progress. I did report yesterday that uh, they pretty much know how to move forward on some of the more controversial aspects of the the commodity title, some of the provisions that help determine how much um, payments farmers will receive from those commodity programs. They're called agriculture risk coverage and price loss coverage. So I think they actually have a path forward on that. I'm not sure how technical you want me to get, (laughs) but um, there is certainly other parts of that that title, like um, payment limits, for example, that are very controversial, which I don't think that they are in total agreement over. so, and of course, there's always the elephant in the room, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. The House, pro, the House bill proposed imposing stricter work requirements on um, about between 5 and 7 million adults participating in that program. So I think they're still pretty far apart on how to move forward. You know, another elephant in the room has to be the election results and the fact that Colin Peterson will soon become the chairman of the committee and uh, what pressure that puts on Mike Conaway uh, to get something done while it's still under his watch. Yes, certainly. And, uh, I mean, in order to get a farm, a final farm bill, uh, Chairman Conaway and the GOP will likely have to give in on some or all of what they proposed on, those, on, on the staff program. Um, and I think the election uh, kind of changed the political dynamics in the House in particular, of course, because Democrats are on track to take control. Um, And I think it was Ranking Member Peterson that said, on your show last week, you know, whatever leverage that the chairman had before the election is is kind of slipped away. And um, I know that the chairman has said in the past that he doesn't really want to pass a farm bill that gets more Democratic votes than Republican votes in the House. But I think that he might have to kind of change the calculus uh, if he wants to get it done in the lame duck session. 
And also, there's just the fact that the Senate Farm Bill was passed by, you know, a bipartisan group of 86 members, and it didn't include any of the stricter provisions on work requirements, really, that the House bill did. So I think that is another signal that if you want to get it through the Senate, then you might have to give in a little bit. Or a lot. We're talking, <laughs> yeah, or a lot, yeah. We're talking with Catherine Boudreau with Politico. Um, there's also the, the the dynamic of there's a lot to do in this lame duck session besides the farm bill. Uh, so that makes a, a crowded agenda to get things done. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing coming up is they're going to have to pass uh, government spending legislation, and that's always a battle in and of itself. There's a lot of, you know, because Congress really doesn't pass that much these days, there's just a lot of pressure to get everyone's priorities or a must something that one lawmaker wants into a, a spending bill. So there's always these kind of long gamesmanship <laughs> negotiations about what to get in that last bill leaving the station before the end of Congress. Uh, so I think that will eat up a lot of time. And I was just looking at the congressional calendar, and I think it's, you know, something around three weeks that they have left. I mean, they're going to be, you know, Congress is in this session, this week. They're going to be gone for Thanksgiving. I think they're in for two weeks in December, and uh, then they're out for the holidays. So the time is slipping away. Yeah, we say till the end of the year, and that's not that far away. But as you point out, actual days in session, even fewer, makes that really tight. And that, that brings up the possibility it's always there of a of an extension of the current farm bill yes that's true and i think senator grassley um he's been talking about how he might do an extension because you know house democrats see an opportunity to potentially write their own priorities into a farm bill but you know i i think a lot of people are on the fence about whether they can get it done during the lame duck i i really if i was a betting person i would say i think they will they will but uh unfortunately it's just too difficult to predict because uh, we just don't. I don't have a good sense of where exactly Chairman Conway is really willing to compromise, particularly on on SNAP. But hopefully, we'll find that out in, in the coming weeks. And uh, I, I know that the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, has said multiple times that he really doesn't want to write a, a farm bill. He doesn't want that on his plate when they get into uh, session next year. Yeah. The really the big unknown is how much flexibility Mike Conaway has within his own party to make a deal to to move on their stance on SNAP and some other things. I guess we just really don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think um, time will time will tell. And you know, my colleagues and I are, like I said, stalking out every hallway in the Capitol, <laughs> um, trying to get every little incremental detail about this. Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, if the uh, so-called Big Four, you know, the Senate Agriculture Chairman Pat Roberts and Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow, when they're going to meet with with um, Chairman Conaway and Congressman Peterson, like we said, you know, yesterday it was just Conaway and Peterson. So um, TBD on when the Big Four will will meet again, and um, hopefully that will yield some some more progress. Yeah, as you and as you said earlier, so much else on that agenda you got taxes and things like that i mean it's a heavy lift and the congress just doesn't move that fast to to begin with so it's going to make it really difficult yeah definitely well we'll watch for your reporting because you and your colleagues do uh do a great job as you said uh, staking out the hallways there and uh, keeping us up to date so Catherine, thank you for the latest and uh, we look forward to talking with you again hopefully we'll have some movement on this soon thank you so much thanks thanks Take care. Catherine Boudreau with Politico. And, uh, yeah, the farm bill, 
far from done at this point. Uh, we just don't know if uh, there's going to be enough movement uh, by Chairman Conaway and the Republicans in the House uh, to get closer to that Senate version on some key issues like SNAP and some things like that. So uh, that one-year extension, still very much in play, although uh, seemingly no one really wants that, but it's, uh, it's a possibility, and Senator Grassley has been talking about that for some time. Well, coming up next, we're going to switch to markets. Uh, we still have the trade tensions, although there's uh, hope of some talks with China. We've still got a, the unknown of the farm bill, a lot kind of as a backdrop hanging over these markets. Steve Nicholson with Robbo will join us next and give us his thoughts on what the markets are focused on as we come to the end of this year and look ahead to next year. That's coming up next. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. All right, guys, we're ready for our Four Seasons sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. 
To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we just heard from Catherine Boudreaux with Politico that uh, there's still a lot of work to do on the Farm Bill, some big differences. That meeting yesterday between uh, Chairman Conaway and Ranking Member Peterson expected to be a meeting where they'd really sit down and maybe kind of hammer some things out, get closer. It lasted 30 minutes or less. So uh, even though the staffs are working and uh, getting some things done, hopefully there still appears to be some big uh, differences here to work through. Meanwhile, Congress still has to come up uh, with some uh, stopgap spending measures. There are just 12 legislative days until December 7th when the Congress needs to get this done, and there's still a partisan struggle going on over funding of different projects such as, and this is a a big issue still, of course, the funding for uh, President Trump's uh, U.S.-Mexico border wall, so they've got to work through that yet, and then the Senate has still got to take up the House pass tax cuts legislative package. So you got all that still to do, as well as a farm bill, in a relatively a very short period of time between now and the end of the year with all that time off and everything. So big, big lift yet still to be done by this Congress before the new Congress takes over next year. Well, so we have uncertainty. Do the markets like that? Usually not, but uh, let's talk about it with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst with Robbo. Steve, thanks for joining us. And seems like every time we talk, we're we're hoping some positive developments will take place to give the markets a lift. But uh, so far, it's uh, it's more hope than uh, than fact. So, how are the markets taking all this? Well, good morning, Mike, and also congratulations on your induction to the Hall of Fame. So, thank you. You're welcome. Um, thank you. You know, it does seem like every time we talk, we're looking for a little hope, and you know, it's it's hard to find it. But I, you know, I've had conversations over the last couple of days, and it's interesting. We've it's hard to believe that we're now at Thanksgiving, and we'll just say that, and we're still mm-hmm. talking about weather and markets. Um, we see, we look at corn and soybeans, and you look in parts of the western part of the Corn Belt, particularly western Iowa. Um, southeastern Iowa, northeastern, northwestern Missouri, and parts of even far north of Minnesota, it's been it's been really really wet, and they haven't been able to get in the fields and get corn out, corn and soybeans, primary soybeans. Um, you've seen that in other parts of the country as well, in the eastern part of the United States. And now that it's you know we've turned cold and in some places snowy, you know it's gotten even worse. And so you just don't know when that crop's going to come out. And I've heard some anecdotal discussions and this has been mostly out east of soybeans turning black and purple because they just got burnt by the you know the cold cold weather so then you don't have a quality issue and now you start to go into kansas and you know that was the big jump in in wheat yesterday now we're giving some of that back today was the fact that they couldn't get the crop planted out in kansas because it's been so wet and now it's turned you know very still wet and very cold and snowy and you're not going to get wheat planted then, and so what? What do you go next? And let alone they can't get the soybeans out there to get them out so they can plant this plant, you know, plant winter wheat. So we're still talking about the weather, and I think that is still a factor that we may have to deal with from a standpoint of quality of crop, uh, unavailable crop in some areas. And so you could see some basis levels in some of those local areas get a little, a little tighter, uh, just because the supply is not available when it typically is this time of year. Um, you know, we talk about. 
you know, E15, I think the market's pretty well ground that into itself. You know, the farm bill, of course, still is going to be a, th- a thing if you have it. And the trade is still an issue with China. And all those things, you know, the market's taken those into account. And just and on top of that, the fundamentals still haven't changed. You know, fundamentals remain relatively bearish, uh, the markets uh, overall. And the fact you saw China uh, in the WASDI this last week, we, you know, they readjusted the Chinese stocks, which they do every, it seems like about every decade, and they were bearish as well. So it's just, it's hard to find that kernel of hope sometime in the marketplaces going forward. Meanwhile, for those that have their harvest done and there's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of crop in storage it feels like especially yeah. with beans it's, there's just this huge pile of soybeans uh, oh. ready to go somewhere and just waiting for a door to open no absolutely and you know you've got beans in in bins you've got beans in bags you've got beans in piles i think some of, probably a lot of people saw the pictures on bloomberg of a pile of soybeans i think in illinois and it's and that's you just don't see that and they're ready to go at any time. I, I, I've done some done some little work and analysis on looking at where beans are going right now, and I need to get uh, finished up versus a year ago. And, of course, you know, China is the big story that you're not seeing beans going to China. Now, we're still some beans going to China because of previous sales, but certainly not the quantity they were a year ago. And you're seeing bean exports this time of year 40 45% below a year ago's pace. The interesting thing, though, and, and people talk about Mexico and Europe taking more beans, and yeah, they are, but it's it's kind of business as usual. The interesting thing in looking at these numbers, and this is looking at weekly export um, numbers, because the USDA breaks them out by port that they go out of and destination. It's just you're seeing the satel- what I call the satellite countries around Brazil and Argentina, and Argentina being part of that, taking more beans to the United States than they took a year ago. So like Peru, Chile, Argentina, um, Colombia, taking more beans than they took a year ago because they can't get the beans in South America. Um, both because of drought and because Brazil is, is is taking so you know shipping so many beans to to China. So I think you know if there is a, a little ray of hope there is that you know we kind of found a market there that will take you know will take U.S. beans uh, because they're you know logistically not they're not as good as getting from Brazil, but they're logistically closer than than having to go someplace else world, which there's no place else to go. Um, and the fact is they're really really cheap, and you know it you know is it. As Willard Sparks said once, you know, uh, price is a wonderful fertilizer, and that's kind of where we are right now. We have a lot of cheap commodities that should be very attractive to foreign buyers. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robbo. So, Steve, uh, kind of an interesting situation here. We usually we're waiting for that, you know, that that selling uh, opportunity, that little rally, that little spurt yep. that comes along that offers hope. But at these prices, even a rally, while would look better, a higher price. You're stuck between do I take it because it's better than it is right now, but it's still not as good, you know, anywhere near what I hoped it would be. Do I just hang right. on and wait maybe for the big one when, say, something's announced with China and we hope everything's going to break loose? Do you wait or do you take a smaller opportunities before then? It's a great question. It's, you know, it's the proverbial catch-22. I, I think you have to take when you get these little rallies, and we'll pick on wheat yesterday, you got a nice 15, 16 cent rally in wheat yesterday, and I think for producers you have to take advantage of that and move on. And 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 I think, and, and granted, there's going to be probably some of those are not going to be, uh, what shall we say, um, profitable sales. We hope they at least they're break even sort of sales. You know, starting to cover variable costs or very cover your variable costs. But 
But the fact is that you have, and just as we talked about, we've got all this commodities in storage. So every day that that commodity, those, those stay in storage and don't get sold, they get shoved into a shorter window of time that they need to be sold. And so that's bearish primarily to bases, um, which is hard to believe that bases are getting more bearish than it already is or wider than it is already. Um, but it does. you do see when you get those opportunities on the board, I think, and bases-wise, and we have to talk about both of them, you know, both separately and together, that you take that advantage and, and move on. And I think the other thing that we, we've talked about before, Mike, is that, you know, we have to think about selling next year's crop before we plant it versus selling it after we get it out of the field. Because you do see some opportunities, particularly corn, and some probably some folks in wheat country as well, see some opportunities in next year's new crop to get some sales off that at least are break-even if potentially profitable. So I think those are things we have to be thinking about and looking forward to versus looking back and like, oh, I wish I'd done that last spring. Well, let's, we can't we can't change history. We got to go ahead and go forward and see what we can do to to mitigate that risk now. Boy, that's got to really be really be tough to think about selling next year's crop when your bins are so full that you and your and bags right. and everything else, uh, and you don't know where it's yep. going to go. No, that's right. It is really tough, but you you know I think we're you know you've got to think you know we we can't do the same old marketing plan we always did because it's kind of where we got us to where we are today and i and that's and that's probably a harsh statement i shouldn't say quite like that. you know we need to think differently about our marketing because of what kind of a situation we're in now and how do we how do we work ourselves out of that and it's not one of those things you know we got to these you know it took several years to get to this point where we have huge supplies it's going to take us several years to work out of it but it's the same thing in your marketing you can't hit home runs every time so let's hit a single here or there and eventually singles add up to, you know, to score a run. So I think that's how you have to think about it. Take small bites and go forward from there. And it's the same thing, you know, it's what you tell buyers in an inverse market is you take small bites. You don't, you don't try to hit the home run and look for a, you know, down, you know, you know the market to collapse and wait for it because it's, it's probably going to humble you. And as all of us have been there and done that, have been very humbled by markets. And I think this time, you know, and now we have to think about it that way and just let's take small bites and try to move forward, you know, one step at a time. All right. Good to talk with you again. Maybe next time we talk, we'll have some more positive <laughs> things, right? Exactly. Something, something's bound to change. It always does. So, Yeah, we're due. That's all right. right. That's Thanks, right. We Steve. are due. All right. Thanks, Mike. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst with Robo. All right, coming up next, uh, Mary Kay Thatcher, long time with the American Farm Bureau Federation, now the senior lead federal government relations for Syngenta. Want to get her thoughts on the uh, recent elections, what it means going forward for agriculture, on trade, and some of those issues, and what about getting this farm bill done in the lame duck session? Mary Kay has uh, uh, covered these uh, types of issues for a long time. We'll get her perspective. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. 
The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Private exporters reporting to USDA the sale of a little over 276,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations during the 2018-19 marketing year. That according to the Ag Department on Tuesday. We rallied overnight Monday into Tuesday morning in soybeans, but as the day trade wears on, looking like we're losing a bit of steam. January soybeans down a fraction of a cent at 8.82 and a half. We see support at the 10-day and 20-day moving averages at 8.76 and 8.74. Wheat futures were higher yesterday after Australia's winter wheat production number was cut. The National Australia Bank lowering its estimate for the Australia crop. Chicago wheat gaining 14 to nearly 18 cents on Monday. On this Tuesday, taken back about half of that, 8 to 9 cents lower an hour into the trading day. Minneapolis spring wheat 5 to 6 cents lower and 6 to 7 lower in Kansas City. In corn, we are 3 to 4 and a fraction lower. March eking out a marginal gain on Monday. The corn bulls got knocked down last week on a failed attempt to take out the mid-October high. We're hovering near 378 in corn, down 4 and a quarter. We've got key support at 372 and 3 quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures on this Tuesday, we are trending 90 to $1.25 lower. Cash cattle bids and asking prices poorly defined so far on the week. In feeder cattle, January down 70 cents at 143.02. Lean hog futures, a mix. African swine fever continues to spread in China, now being detected in feed mills. February lean hogs, 32 higher at 61.85. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day, because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams well we always enjoy talking with mary Kay thatcher long time with the american farm bureau federation now senior lead federal government relations for syngenta mary Kay, thanks for joining us good to talk with you again good morning mike always a pleasure it's great to see you last week in Kansas City. Congratulations on your well-deserved award that you received there. Let's move on now to this lame duck session of Congress. Uh, you've watched these 
uh, over the years. We've got a farm bill to get done, but as we've been talking about on today's program, a lot of other things that Congress has to get done in just a very condensed period of time. Uh, what are you seeing and hearing that makes you think either it will get done by the end of the year or there's a good chance it won't get done? Well, I think if you look at the trends, we haven't passed a farm bill in a lame duck session for 28 years. So that doesn't mean it wouldn't happen this time, but certainly we've had problems before. But I still believe that the major problem, the first thing that has to get resolved is what do we do about the work requirements for the SNAP program that is included in the House bill? And I, at the moment, I don't see the Republicans budging. I see President Trump talking about how important it is. I see Steve Scalise, the number three Republican in the House, talking about how important it is just uh, over the weekend. Uh, certainly Paul Ryan has talked about that. So uh, I think that they're going to have to give in on most of that. They're going to have to go to something a lot more like the Senate bill, or we can't move uh, one foot ahead. And I just don't see that happening yet. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier. That's the big unknown. How much they are willing to move, how much flexibility even does uh, Chairman Conaway have within his own party to move on that? Well, I think that's the case. And, I mean, you know, you're going to have to look at, obviously, if they moved uh, more to the Senate-like version, they'd pick up a lot of Democrats that would be willing to support the bill. But on the other hand, they will lose some Republicans. Um, but I think that's the issue, and I don't really suspect that the Mike Conaway call – I suspect this is a Paul Ryan and leadership call. And with Paul Ryan uh, retiring, I think the question is, does he want to leave a legacy that he actually put some work requirements, some pretty stringent work requirements in place, or does he want a farm bill? Yeah, I mean, it comes down to that. Is is the pressure to get it done, or is the pressure not to give in? That's what we don't know. It could, le- could lead to that one-year extension. It certainly could. And, you know, I mean, we all want to get the farm bill done. I think that uh, uh, certainly with the farm economy, it would be a good thing to get it done. Um, But, you know, the earth isn't going to stop revolving if it doesn't happen. And unfortunately, leadership knows that. Um, They've seen it happen. It took us two and a half years to write the last farm bill in 2014. So uh, these guys understand that they want it done. But how badly is really anybody's question right now? We're talking with Mary Kay Thatcher with Syngenta. Mary Kay, take us through that scenario. If they don't get it done, it gets extended. It goes into next year, and the new Congress starts writing a new farm bill. Do we just start from scratch? We do. That's the way uh, That's the way our laws work. We'll have to start from scratch. Now, one would believe that, especially in the Senate side, when you have a bill that passed 86 to 11, um, they would either pop in exactly the same bill or something very, very close because – They worked long and hard to get a bipartisan bill. So you wouldn't anticipate that would change much. On the House side, um, I think it's Colin Peterson now getting the opportunity to put an even bigger mark on the bill. We know that Colin has been supportive for a long time of more Conservation Reserve program acres. I think at one point in time he wanted to take the current $24 million up to $44 million or something. So I don't think it will go that high, but... I think he's likely to look at that. Certainly he's going to look differently at uh, what happens with the uh, SNAP and the work requirements. And last but not least, I think he's going to look at some of the working land programs like the conservation stewardship program that was uh, eliminated in the House bill. And I I strongly suspect that he'll be back to at least having it on the drawing table. So uh, the House, I think, will do more starting over than the Senate. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Now, let's look ahead to the new Congress next year. They'll be the ones voting on the USMCA, the trade deal with U.S., Canada, and Mexico. What do you think uh, that will look like when it comes time to start debating that and voting? Well, I think it's a bit of more of an uphill push uh, with the Democrats um, getting the House instead of the Republicans. But, um, you know, I can argue it both ways, Mark. Uh, Mike, I can say that I don't think that um, uh, the Democrats want to give Trump a win. But on the other hand, I think they also are already looking at down the line at the 2020 election and, you know, don't want to be looked at as the party of no, no, no forever. So if you were a betting person right now, I think you'd bet that the House will find some ways to put their stamp on it, maybe some side letters on labor provisions or environmental provisions, and then say, yep, we made it better and hopefully pass it. I, I, I suspect that's the most likely scenario as of today. You know, we've already heard some talk that maybe they'll find some common ground on infrastructure, which I thought would have happened before now, but it hasn't. But it, it sure seems like we're set up for more gridlock. Oh, I think we are, although, you know, gosh, can we have any more gridlock than we've had the last couple of years? I mean, it's been pretty difficult for uh, Speaker Ryan or for Speaker Boehner before that uh, to be able to get his whole Republican Party to move ahead. He had a 33-member Freedom Caucus that often wanted to vote as a block and go in a different way. Uh, I don't see that gridlock in the Democratic Party. Um, it's, so the gridlock is only going to occur if, indeed, we continue this partisanship. And while I don't think it'll change in a huge way, I hope it will change somewhat. Um, I feel really confident about Colin Peterson. I mean, I think he, of all the Democrats I know, does better about reaching across the aisle and really working in a bipartisan fashion. And so hopefully that will catch on uh, elsewhere. But I'm like you, Mike. I hear more about uh, maybe getting a good infrastructure package that would actually include broadband uh, in it uh, as maybe one of the early things we could all work together on uh, in 2019. Yeah, I think when you, I I keep telling people this all the time, when you look at all the chairmanships that are going to change in the House because of the election results, agriculture is fortunate. That's the least drastic change. We've seen how Colin Peterson uh, handles this uh, when he's been chair in the past, as you said, his, his willingness to reach across the aisle. So the change in the House Ag Committee is going to be a lot less than the changes in those other committees. It is. I think it'll be interesting to watch, however, on House Ag Committee. I mean, what kind of Democrats are they able to get to join the committee? Because, you know, Colin had some problems with that four or five years ago, and really the people that ended up joining were there far more for the food stamp program than they were for agriculture. Now, that doesn't mean they're not agriculture's friends, because many of them voted with us lots and lots of times. But, uh, you know, if push comes to shove, they were there more about um, urban America and about the, the food stamp-type programs than before. Uh, but I think when you look at committees, one of the things to really keep an eye on is House Ways and Means, which has control on all the tax issues and the trade issues. And there are, I think, 12 or 13 of those members that are rolling off. And so uh, uh, that's always an important committee, but it's going to be extra important that we get the right kind of people on, on there for us as we look at um, especially trade legislation coming up. And the other thing that's always impressed me about Colin Peterson is his willingness to stand up even to his own party's leadership when it comes to issues he feels strongly about, especially with agriculture. He may get that pressure from above, but uh, he's been pretty willing to stand for what he believes in. 
he has, and you know, I not that I I don't think he's going to retire, and I sure hope he doesn't for a long time. But uh, you know, as you get closer and closer to retirement, I think you you tend to he can get stronger in that position. So uh, uh, you know, he is a person unto himself and just a, a good leader for agriculture. You know, we've just finished these midterm elections. And while most of us are, are, are glad that's behind us, I mean, it's pretty obvious the 2020 race is on right now. <laughs> it sure is. How many Democratic candidates can you count, Mike? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're just, uh, you know, they're coming out of the when it comes that's, time for those debates, When it comes time for those debates, they're not going to be able to get them all on the same stage at the same time. That's probably. right. That's right. And, you know, I think that's going to play very much into the Senate side because when you have – five or six or eight uh, U.S. senators running for president. You have uh, Mitch McConnell having a harder time keeping people there to get votes. Um, You have a harder time focusing them on the issue of the day versus thinking about what happens with president. So that affects how the Senate will function, too, in the next couple of years. And some key races. And the next time around, does uh, Pat Roberts uh, run for re-election? And if so, uh, how big a challenge will he have? Yeah, well, he had a challenge last time, and I suspect mm-hmm. that's not going to go away. You know, Kansas was one of those states where they had a couple of uh, somewhat surprise changes, I think, or at least what we would have thought of as a surprise a year or two ago. Um, and so I'm sure he's having to take that into account. But if you look at Kansas and Iowa both, you know, um, some interesting changes in those Midwest states. It'll be Well, we know things can change in a hurry, and who knows what happens if, say, some big – uh, trade deals announced with China, some things like that. I mean, that that's, and whatever the economy is doing, uh, that uh, always has an impact. But uh, a lot certainly could happen between now and then. Well, you know, besides the farm bill and the trade, we've got tax issues and funding things. Uh, uh, there's still a lot for this Congress to get done this year. Yeah, and I don't know, very few days to do it. I think that they're only scheduled to be in session 16 days between now and Christmas. Uh Four of them this week. They came in today. Uh, but uh, when you look at, we still have to fund seven of the 12 departments for the appropriations process, uh, or the government shuts down. Uh, we still don't know. And I think one of the bigger ticket items out there is what happens with uh, the president building his wall uh, between the U.S. and the Mexican borders. You know, he said, I'm going to do it. I want $25 million for it. I'm willing to think about shutting the government down. I think the House and the Senate are thinking about very different amounts when you think about that. So to me, that's the biggest uh, uh, sticking point right now. But there's that. There's, we have to do the national flood insurance program because it's going to expire here in another few days. And certainly <laughs> with the recent hurricanes, uh, we know that we need money for that sooner instead of later. So uh uh, and then, you know, lots and lots of people talking about the Farm Bill. It is not a, it's, it's not impossible to have it done, but it's going to take a lot of movement very soon. <laughs> uh, Chairman Conway is saying that the pace right now is like a turtle on a fence post. Legs are going 900 miles an hour, but you can't make any progress. And that seems to be where they're at. Mary Kay, good to talk with you again. Take care. You bet. Bye, Mike. Mary Kay Thatcher. Long time with the American Farm Bureau, now Senior Lead Federal Government Relations for Syngenta. All right, we're going to talk with Kurt Blades of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers next on AOA.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle, too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic. Safe. Effective. Even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, 
publicity and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Throughout this year, we've been watching closely the ag equipment sales numbers, and we've been pleasantly surprised how strong they've been given the, the, the shape of the ag economy. We have the latest numbers out now, and joining us is the Senior Vice President of Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, Kurt Blades. Kurt, thanks for joining us, and uh, uh, what, kind of a mixed report uh, this month. Uh, we have seen some decline in some categories, but others are still hanging in there. Well, thanks for having me, Mike, and yeah, you're right. we got a mixed bag in front of us. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised uh, when I look at the overall numbers, but as you as you pointed out, there's a bit of a mixed mixed bag. You know, as an example, um, under 40 horsepower continues to lead the market. We're about 10% up year over year on under 40 horsepower tractors uh, in the U.S., which has just really been been a been a, a bright shiny spot that we've been pretty happy about. But we are beginning to see some softness in uh, over 40 over excuse me over 100 horsepower tractors, uh, where we saw uh, you know a, a month over month from year to date uh, decline on that one, and we saw. A little bit of a decline in four-wheel drive articulated four-wheel drive tractors, and we saw a little bit of a, a, a decline in self-propelled combines uh, month over month. But on the other side of that, Mike, year over year, we're still up pretty much across the board with uh, with all horsepowers and all uh, all classes of tractors in the U.S. Yeah, if you came into this year and said you're going to have these factors, you're going to still not have a farm bill, you're going to have trade tensions, you're not going to have your biggest market for the most part, China, uh, you have uh, all kinds of other uncertainties uh, out there and depressed prices, you would have taken these numbers, right, given uh, uh, those uh, circumstances coming into the year. I'll tell you what, Mike, you are you are absolutely right. In fact, I think it, maybe we should go listen back to the tapes that, uh, that we made in uh, – in February and March, where I was saying, "Hey, these are great numbers, but there's a dark storm cloud on the horizon." I still believe there's a, a bit of a dark storm cloud on the horizon, but I've been pleasantly surprised, and I think our manufacturers have been pleasantly surprised that the numbers have held in there uh, pretty good, and uh, and that we're reporting just some nice some nice sales across the board uh, in the United States and in Canada. I mean, Canada's seen a little bit more of a softness, uh, as I think I indicated before, that Canada's. Uh, you know, saw the, the the replacement market come back about six months before it did in the United States, and we're starting to see some declines in the Canadian market from a from a volume and percentage standpoint. Not not anything necessarily major, but beginning to see some of those numbers, and that's I guess that 
I, I, that may be an early indicator of, of what things are going to look like in the U.S. But all in all, I'm pretty pretty happy with uh, with the direction that things continue to be going. Pleasantly surprised, but very happy. And the issues we've been talking about on the program today are issues that certainly uh, your industry wants to see uh, resolved. Get a farm bill done. Get some trade deals done. Uh, get the, uh, uh, you know, have a strong renewable fuel standard. Work on infrastructure. Those are important, really, throughout the economy. I'll tell you what, Mike. That uh, you're, you're, you've got my talking points down. <laughs> you know what keeps me awake at night is not having a farm bill. What keeps me awake at night is is uh, is demand for. For our uh, our members, customers' uh, equipment or, or, of, of crops, and you know, renewable fuel standards is a great way to do that. If we can get E15 around, uh, you know, uh, sold around the year, uh, I think that that does a nice thing for increasing demand. If we can, you know, continue to hammer on some some good trade agreements so these soybeans can find homes, uh, that's all. That's all really good things. But tell you what, until there's that uncertainty gets resolved, it does continue to create this little dark cloud out there what farm incomes are going to look like uh, for the next few uh, next few months and next few years I tell you we're beginning to see some of that manifest itself in at least some of the barometer work that we're doing when interviewing our members and certainly when interviewing our uh, 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 our members dealers uh, that they're finding it uh, starting to get a little bit more difficult to obtain credit for their customers, and uh, and I think that's that's where you begin to see some some concerns out there. So if if uh, if if the banks are starting to, to get a little bit more uh, stingy with some money for some operating loans or for some uh, some capital loans, that that does that does bring a little bit of concern out there. I don't think there's any again major red flags right now, but we're beginning to get that sense that, that some of our members are starting to get concerned about that which was what happens when you have an extended down cycle in the ag economy. Yep, exactly, exactly. We can, you know, those of us in farming, we all have got pretty long memories, and we can remember what happens when, uh, when, credit, when credit turns south. It, uh, it does have some, uh, a rippling effect in the, in the whole economy. Again, I'm a farmer, so I'm always going to be optimistic. This, is, this too will pass, but... Uh, but uh, I, I do think that uh, we've got some, some challenges ahead of us that uh, can hopefully get resolved, let's say, with a new farm bill, with uh, some, some demand protection, with a, with a strong safety net in place. All these things, you know, it's not one particular silver bullet, but it's all these things together that are going to continue to make this, uh, this, this farm market, this farm economy, something that's going to continue to lead the world in, in, in feeding that population. And you're right, it's not just one thing, but I mentioned this earlier. It just feels like everyone is kind of just waiting for something to get worked out with China. That would be the big relief valve to let the, some of this pressure off and, and get things moving. Boy, I tell you what, I could, we, could, we could have a whole hour-long conversation about China. I mean, it is, it is our most important trading partner as farmers. Uh, it's a very important market from, uh, from a supply of, uh, of, of things that go into uh, uh, you know, to all manufacturing, uh, but it's got its set of challenges, and it's uh, you know they have not always been the best actor, and so you know there are there are goods and bads in these in these trade negotiations. But boy, I certainly hope and feel optimistic that we're we're on the verge of having something worked out in the in the nearish future to be able to 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 sell some of those soybeans to to China on a on a regular basis and a, and a non tariff basis. 
All right, Kurt, thanks. We'll talk next month, okay? Appreciate the time, Mike. We'll talk to you next month. All right, Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Again, the latest numbers, U.S. sales of self-propelled combines declined 7% last month compared to last year, and U.S. sales of four-wheel drive tractors were flat with a 1% drop month over month. Now, total October U.S. sales of two-wheel drive tractors did grow 6% compared to a year ago, a 9% gain for under 40 horsepower tractors, a 5% increase for 40 to 100 horsepower tractors, but a drop of 8% for 100-plus horsepower tractors. All right, that wraps it up for today. More on these issues and many more coming up on tomorrow's program. Have a great day. Join us tomorrow on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.